Good evening. This is our second installment of the One Note Poet. I'm Ben Barry. And this week we're talking about, uh, I don't know, I guess a lot about education. Around here we pay the bills as teachers. We love it. We love uh, working with kids and um, mixing it up. Very passionate about teaching here at our house. And this time of year is all about uh, finishing up the semester. And we still focus quite a bit about on testing. So uh, that's where we are in our semester. On this week's podcast, we're going to um, hear a couple of new poems. And I also wanted to highlight the poetry of Richard Broad again who I think about quite a bit when we're at these times and thinking about education and the way we learn. And um, so I think you'll, uh, I think you'll enjoy his poems here at this time. So we're going to kick this off by taking a look at Richard Brodigan's uh, poem, All Watched Over by Machines of Loving Grace from the collection, The Pill versus the Spring Hill Mine Disaster. And uh, see what you think here. This poem was written probably, I guess, 40 to 50 years ago. And yet, uh, see what it it sounds like and feels like today. All watched over by machines of loving grace. I like to think, and the sooner the better, of a cybernetic meadow where mammals and computers live together in mutually programming harmony like pure water touching clear sky. I like to think, right now please, of a cybernetic forest filled with pines and electronics where deer stroll peacefully past computers as if they were flowers with spinning blossoms. I like to think it has to be of a cybernetic ecology where we are free of our labors and joined back to nature returns to our mammal brothers and sisters and all watched over by machines of loving grace. That poem written years ago is very suiting to this time where we're on the brink of more and more artificial intelligence and ocular devices and drones and... um, more and more machines so it'll be kind of interesting to see where we where we fit in and certainly the way we teach and the way we learn and and as we decide what's what's important what's essential what, excuse me what's essential to uh to be learned uh, when we send our kids to school every day this first poem poem of mine is um something i kind of been thinking about quite a bit Uh, the way people talk and the way people try to sell you something and the way they start their sentences. Obviously, we're talking here about diction and tone and, uh, you know, what's your purpose? What, what, you know, how are you using your words? And there's this trend these days quite a bit. I'm sure, you know, if I say this, you'll, you'll be ultra sensitive to it. But a lot of people start their sentences with look or listen and, um, Anyway, this poem is kind of my reflection on uh, 
on that trend. Look, the worst way to start a sentence with me. What are you selling? A sure way to be undone. Lead with condescension. You're assuming ignorance. You're assuming my eyes are shut. What are you selling? If you must employ a command, try feel. I'm a sucker for empathy. You've got it backwards, ending with what you should lead with. You feel? As I'm sitting here grading some papers before we go back to work, I can't stop thinking about, well, well grades, I guess, in general, and, and uh, their importance and uh, their meaning. And I can't keep, uh, I keep coming back to the idea that um, I'm just not so sure that it matters. Um, not saying that, um, you know, the work doesn't matter. That, um, you know, I think that a lot of these things, as a coach, you can keep coming back to uh, those kind of analogies really work. I mean, when you go, if, if you have a, a, a group full of brand new people and your goal is to lift a certain amount of weight off the ground, you know, everybody's going to be involved. Everybody's going to be engaged, but but not everybody's going to lift the same amount of weight. And um, yeah, as an English teacher, I really feel like that that that's that's how that should be played out as well. Um, you know, in the past ten years or so, uh, we've had a lot of push for things like rubrics, and um, you know, the the problem with with grading like that is. It, it, it's not much different than traditional grading when it comes to the end. Um, I, I, there's a lot of me that believes that rubric grading is is uh, still whether or not uh, yeah, it's whether or not uh, you like somebody. I mean, I, I don't know how you really totally get away from that. Um, so subjective. Um, this is different. You're teaching math, obviously. There are process. There's a process, and there's an end result. But I still think they could work on the application of of, of those kind of things. But um, anyway, I, I, I thought uh, about this um, this poem that I remember reading, kind of when I got started in on this down this road towards take, you know going back to school, getting an English degree, then. Uh, 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 a fine arts degree or you know just just kind of loving uh, poetry so um, it was a it was a an instructor I think who first turned me on to Richard Brodigan this poet um, his name was Edward Shelb at, at Oswego or excuse me at SUNY Brockport when I was there and uh, I don't really think now that I think back I don't think he cared too much about grades or grading I think he really wanted to just uh, expose us to things and have us work through things um, and if we did that um, great there, there's your grade uh, so uh, it's kind of fitting that, that I'm, I'm remembering him now and his um, recommendation to check out Richard Brodigan's Trout Fishing in America but this poem um, is from is from The Pill versus the Spring Hill, Spring Hill Mine Disaster and um it's called, uh, gee, you're so 
beautiful that it's starting to rain. Oh, Marsha, I want your long blonde beauty to be taught in high school. So kids will learn that God lives like music in the skin and sounds like a sunshine harpsichord. I want high school report cards to look like this. Playing with gentle glass things. A. Computer magic. A. Writing letters to those you love. A. Finding out about fish. A. Marsha's long blonde beauty. A+. Um, anyway, I mean, that, that poem was writ- written in the 70s. And... Um, it just seems to still make a lot of sense here uh, in 2018 about um, learning and education and what school is supposed to be and what school really is. So uh, back to it tomorrow at school and teaching and, and coaching. And uh, hopefully I'll be able to keep up with this audio podcast and see you soon. So that was a couple of poems from Richard Brodigan's The Pill Versus the Spring Hill Mine Disaster from uh, 1968, actually. And the other day, we started testing at the school I, I work at. And I was thinking quite a bit about that process and the way we keep pushing for more and more choice and differentiation and flexibility and yet when it comes down to the test we still give them a multiple choice test where they have to be quiet for a few hours and diligent even though we know that that's not the kind of behavior that we can either facilitate or accommodate during the school year so anyway I wrote this poem after uh, administering a test the other day. Testing begins. Want to test a kid? Make him turn his phone off. Make him give it up. Make him say, I don't have one. Make him sit down. Sit up. Wake up. Make him silent. Excuse me? Make him say, yes, sir if you really need to know what he knows. As I was given that test, it begins with uh, a lot of rules and expectations and um, a lot of silencing of uh, the world that they currently live in. And so, yes, this is about testing, but it's also about being, uh, what does it mean to just like be tested? Like you're testing somebody um, yes, you want to know what they know. And um, you might find out more uh, than you wanted to. You might find out uh, more about somebody by taking everything away, by making them quiet. And um, that kind of seemed, uh, seemed to kind of grow within me. Um, you know, just the idea that... Uh, you know, for many of these kids, even the, uh, the ones who seem the toughest, sometimes their, their phone, their electronic devices, that's their whole world. 
um, out, especially outside the, the few minutes that you spend with them. And um, for some of them, it's, a, it's an ego thing. It's a shameful thing. So the idea of not having one or having to say you don't have one is difficult. And, um, you know, just continuing to make them conform, 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 and then do your best, especially if the teacher is being assessed on how well you do. So anyway, that was a reflection and uh, on that whole business of testing. So I hope you like it. Okay, so that's it for this edition of the One Note Poet. We uh, kicked off the podcast with one of my favorite bands from Chicago, Twin Peaks, and... I'm hoping to uh, catch them on their latest go-around here. Unfortunately, I think the show in Washington, D.C. with uh, Portugal the Man is sold out, but they are coming to Nashville in March, and i uh, really like to go check out that show. Uh, I need a nice CD honky-tonk to see this CD grimy, kick-ass band one more time. Uh, again, that's Twin Peaks from Chicago. And then we took a look at some poems by Richard Brodigan, which from his uh, collection, The Pill versus the Spring Hill Mind Disaster. You will uh, you can also get that one. It comes usually as a collection along with Trout Fishing in America, which is just awesome. I highly recommend it. I just kind of had it figured all out. And um, that was from the 60s and still very relevant to what we uh, what we see today. And, uh, you know, it's all this going on. I'm trying to focus on, on kind of getting outside and enjoying things and writing poems and spending time with my family. Even though I, I know what exists, I know what the President of the United States is doing and saying, and I know how upsetting that can be to many of us. And uh, I just have to keep remembering that <clears throat> those kind of things, it's, it's not really, um, I don't believe it's... Uh, President Trump's the problem. I think he's a symptom of something else. There isn't, uh, you know, going back to education, the community I live in, my wife and I both work at the school in the community we live in, which is rare. So many people uh, that work in Charlotte Mecklenburg schools do not live and attend Charlotte Mecklenburg schools. I, I'm not sure what, what you should think about that, um, especially if. They're the same type of people that would say, I would never send my kids to that school. Um, that, that, there's a problem there. But um, even in the community we live in, um, I, you know, cocktail parties, I'm often asked, uh, what, kind of school is, what kind of school is that that you work at? And um, um, is it a good school? And um, I'm, I don't know what to say because, well, we teach there. Our own children went there. Um, and it was excellent. It was awesome. But, but really what they're asking is, is something more. Um, they're not really asking if it's a good school. They really want to know about the racial demographic of the school. And um, that's, that's the world that we're living in. So um, there are a lot of people that silently voted for President Trump. And um, many of those people silently also agree with his sentiment about... Um, immigration 
other countries, the types of people that come from certain countries versus the type of people that come from different countries. So, um, I don't know, I guess just the, the main goal I'm trying to focus on here is to just keep, uh, doing what, what feels right, which is to, um, keep listening and learning, dreaming up, writing these poems down and, and sharing them with the world and uh good or bad likes or no likes i'm just gonna keep doing it so thanks again for listening i'm ben barry and this is the one note poet talk to you soon